Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. Guys, we are uh, so glad that you're here today. Thank you for coming. I hope that today's message is a blessing to you. I'm excited about this because I get to speak to you uh, about this series called Own It. Uh, We kicked this off last week, and uh, we'll continue this for the next couple of weeks. And and let me just kind of tell you where this uh, title came from. If you weren't here last week, I need to catch you up just a little bit. Uh, This idea of Own It came from a study that was done about 10, 11 years ago. It was put on by Willow Creek. Uh, It's a multi-campus church, which means they're one church, but they're in many locations. And what they found out was they had a lot of churches that seemed to be thriving and some that weren't. And their question was, how can this be? Because we're doing the exact same thing, same worship, same teachings, everything's done the same way. But some churches are very healthy and some are not. And so they begin this survey. They surveyed their own churches. They went outside. They they surveyed another 50 churches outside uh, of Willow Creek as well. And what came out of that was a thing called Reveal. It it was a book. It was a study that was done. And what they found out, just to to cut to the chase this morning, is that the difference between a healthy church and an unhealthy church is the members themselves. If the members within that body of believers own it, if they own the mission of God, not not as, hey, I attend here and it's the job of the church or it's the job of the pastors or the job of the staff and elders or it's, you know, it's the leadership, it's their, it's their thing, it's not really mine, uh, that created an unhealthy church. But in the churches where everyone, every single person in that church said, no, 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 this is the call of God upon me as an individual. It's a call upon me as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And they owned that mission. Something amazing happened. The church would explode. You would see all kinds of evangelism and discipleship taking place. People coming to know who Jesus was. Uh, lives being transformed. I mean, you name it. It was amazing to see a movement of God happen in those moments. But it came from each member in the church saying, no, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is how I'm supposed to live my life. And so today, as we talk about own it, I want you to know that uh, first and foremost, we're talking about you. We really are. And so what we said last week, just to catch you up a little bit, is that God has given his church a mission already. We know what the mission is. He made it nice and simple. When he was walking on the earth, somebody asked him, said, what's the greatest commandment? And he didn't just give him one, he gave him two. He said, love God and love others. This is what, what we're supposed to be doing. And then he would go to the cross, he would give his life, he would, he would you know, raise from the grave, and then he would ascend into heaven. And just before he would ascend into heaven, he would give what we call the Great Commission which is pretty much this idea of reach, baptize, and teach, right? So we say make disciples. That's a simple way of saying that. And so you could summarize the entire mission that God has for for his church, which is you and me, in six words. Love God, love others, make disciples. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Now, where it gets interesting is every church has to figure out how do they do this? How do they love God, love others, and make disciples? Because every church is different. It's made up by different members. You're uh, unique, very unique. You're not in any other church this morning. You're in this one. And so because there's a different mix of people in this church, even from the one down the street, even from the one on the other side of the globe, this is a very unique church. And then we're sitting in a very unique mission field. 
the, the people right outside the walls of this church are different than they are in Seattle or you know, Kansas or California or wherever else you want to go. So the idea is, okay, well, how do you take a unique church in a very unique mission field, and how do you apply those six words, love God, love others, and make disciples? And what we found out in our context here, who we were, the things that we did very well, and, and how we can shine the brightest in our dark area is by fostering relationships. And so we came up with this, this whole, uh, the way to apply that. We said, we're going to point people to Jesus by fostering relationships. That's how we're going to do it. And you guys know this already. You live out here. Nobody out here knows anyone. We're like, you know, we nod. We do the whole Eastern Colorado thing. Like, what's up? You know, we say hi, but we don't really say hi. We don't know anybody's name. That's why we call each other bud and dude and all that other stuff. And uh, we, we just, we don't like people. And so we, we just go to our houses and, and we get on our 40 acres with our barbed wire fence and we, you know, we, we open the garage door with a remote and we drive in and shut it before the neighbor sees that we're home. You know, we do all these things because we just don't have relationship. And what we said is that God has created us more for a relationship and we need to be in community. And so we're going to commit ourselves to that. And so what would shine the brightest in this area is a group of people that were in authentic relationship with one another. And so this is where we came up with, hey, pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We're going to call people to community. We're going to call people to, to this, this relationship, not just with God, but with each other. And we said, you know, in a community that, that we have all these people around each other, but they're all dying of isolation. We're going to change that. And so what we did is we said, we're going to foster relationships, but we're going to do it in three different directions. We're going to do it up, in, and out. We're going to foster a relationship with God daily. We're going to foster relationships with other believers, with each other weekly. And we're going to foster relationships with somebody who doesn't know Christ, somebody who's outside of the family of God. We're going to do that at least once a month. Now, I hope you know that's just minimums, right? Like you can foster a relationship more than once a day with God, right? Or more than once a month with, with your coworker who doesn't know Christ. I hope you're doing a lot more than that, but this is just minimums. And so we hope that you'll, you'll do this. You'll commit to live this lifestyle because that's exactly what it is. This isn't a one hour a week thing where we just come in and we mark that, that box. We check it off and we go home feeling good about ourselves. This is a lifestyle. And so this is what we're calling you to. This is how we fulfill love God, love others, and make disciples. So last week, if you were here, I talked about how we can foster an up relationship with God. We got into the idea of how do we foster a relationship with God daily? How do we do that? And, and I told you a whole bunch of stuff that you already knew, but my question that I kept asking you last week was, but are you doing it? But are you doing it? And I want to ask you again, after leaving here last week, and hearing a lot of the same stuff, right? Getting into the word of God and prayer and all these different things. Did you do it last week? I hope so. I hope you made some strides last week to foster an up relationship, to become more like Christ every day. Now today, I have the honor of speaking about fostering in relationships. And so I'm excited about this because this is us in this room. We're talking about those who are believers, those who belong to the body of Christ. How do we foster relationships with one another? Now, if you are a first-time guest here today, or maybe you've only been here a couple of weeks and you're not sure about this whole Jesus thing, and you're just kind of checking it out, uh, you might think, well, this isn't for me. I, I want you to, say, uh, to know you're off the hook today. It's great for you. You picked a perfect day to be here because you get to kind of sit in on family talk today, okay? And you get to sit back and go, hmm, is this something I want to belong to or not? And so you get some insight uh, information today. So I hope that you'll kind of hang out. And, and I hope by the end of this that you'll go, yeah, that's definitely something I want to be a part of. And so I get to talk to us about fostering in relationships 
today. Uh, if you would, turn your Bible over to Matthew chapter 12, go to verse 50. Matthew chapter 12, go to verse 50. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We've got guys coming up and down the aisle. Uh, if you raise your hand, they're going to hand you one. It is our gift to you. Head over to Matthew chapter 12 with us this morning. Also, uh, if you have the MVF Colorado app, if you've already got that um, downloaded, you can open up the app and look at the bottom of the app. That second little button down there says engage. If you click on that, it'll actually have uh, underneath that button, there'll be a Bible, which if you click on that, it'll take you to all the, the passages that we're covering today. They're all in order. You just scroll down as we go through them. And then the next button is message notes. You can actually take message notes this morning, and there's some fill in blanks for you for those of you that like that kind of stuff. And uh, so uh, tear it up. Have some fun this morning. Uh, we're going to dive into the subject of fostering an in relationship, which, as I said before, is about believers. It's about the church. So let me ask you, what is the church? Uh, I think you guys, if you've been around here any amount of time, you've heard me speak on this. You know it's not the building, right? Everyone shake your heads up and down. Yes, you know that. Yes, it's not the building. It's not an institution. The church is not a place that we go once a week, and it's definitely not an event that we attend. Uh, I want to show you what the church is. Matthew chapter 12 says this. Jesus is talking here and he says, anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my what? My brother and, and, and mother. It's my family, right? It's my brother, my sister, my family. Look at the people around you and go, hey, brother, what's up? Hey, sister, what's up? Right? There you go. Say, hey, look at the people next to you and go, we family. We family. Because that's what we are. This is what Jesus is talking about right here. He's saying we're family in this, okay? And so here's my first thing this morning. I want to share with you some benefits of belonging to a local church. And the first one is this, that our in relationships are our spiritual family. It's our spiritual family. And as we come up on Thanksgiving, I think it's appropriate for us to talk about family. But here's the difference, all right? And I definitely have to make this distinction. It's our spiritual family, not our earthly family family. And I say that because of this. Here's what happens in churches so often. We talk about churches being family. And then when we come in here, somehow we expect this family to act like our earthly family, right? And, and I don't know about your family. Yours probably not, but mine's dysfunctional. And uh, we have these things that we do all the time. Like if something comes up, there's, there's uh, something in the family that nobody wants to talk about. We just don't talk about it, all right? Why? Because we want to get along, we want to be kind to one another, and so we'll show up. They'll be, it'll be awkward, but we're okay with that. Just get through the next hour, we get to go home, right? Uh, or, uh, or we do have it out, like something's big enough, we go ahead and duke it out, and it gets ugly, and then we don't talk to each other for several years, you know, that type of thing. And so when it comes to the church, I think the problem that we make sometimes when we talk about the church being a family is we tie it to our earthly family, and we think that the same thing's going to apply in here. Like, you know what? Things are going to be wrong, but we're not going to address it. We're just not going to talk about it. Or we're going we're to get in a fight. It's going to explode. It's just ugly in here. I don't want to be, I already got a dysfunctional family. I don't need another one. And when I say that we're a spiritual family, what I mean by that is it's different than your earthly family. And actually, there's a section in Matthew that tells us if there's issues, you have to address them. And not only do you address them, but you address them in a certain way so that it leads to unity on the other side. And we don't do that in our own families. See, so often, I think, when we, when we think about a church family, we have to understand that the purpose of that is, is to transform both society and individuals to become more like Christ every day. That's the purpose of this family. That's not the purpose of your earthly family. 
And so there's a purpose here. There's, there's something different about this family than your earthly family. So please don't make the mistake of tying those two together. See, the concept of a spiritual family goes way beyond an earthly family. And when we look at the church as though it's an earthly family, many, many times this is what we do. Well, things are getting a little tough. I'm just going to leave. That's what we do. And, and I think that's some of the problem that we have in the church today. As we think of it as a family, like we're just going to be kind and nice in here. Everyone's going to get along. There's no conflict. It's just going to be this perfect. And that's not the way it works, is it? Why? Because there's people involved. We mess things up. We really do. And we got to learn how to work through that. And here's what's great about a spiritual family. If you follow the biblical example and you actually work through those things, you come out stronger on the other side. You learn how to mature. You learn how to grow in that. Turn over to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 verse 12. Now, an important reason I think that uh, we need to be involved in a church family, in a church community, is that it's part of the family of God. And, and what's interesting about that is the spiritual family, uh, this is the crazy thing about this. I remember hearing this years ago and going, no way. And the more I thought about it, the more I dug into Scripture, I realized it's correct. Your spiritual family might outlast your earthly family. That's what's crazy. I hope not. I hope that everyone in your family comes to know Christ someday. But here's the deal. If they don't, you're going to spend eternity with these people in this room. We probably ought to start figuring out how to get along now, right? Uh, look around you. You're going to spend eternity with them. That freaks you out, doesn't it? You're like, oh, great. Really? This group of people? Yes. But here's what's great. When we get there, we'll be perfected. So it'll be all good, right? So I'm looking forward to that. Like my wife's like, I can't wait till we get to heaven because you won't be such a jerk when we get there. I'm like, thank you. But that's us as a family, right? A spiritual family. Um, we, we join this family. We become part of this family. Not just for today, but for eternity. And the thing is, we're here to love God, love others, and make disciples, to make a difference. And we're going to change our culture. We're going to change our communities. We're going to change our families together is what's going to happen. This becomes a force that God can use to bring about his will on this earth if we'll join together and be that spiritual family that he's called us to be. Now, the second benefit, not only are we a spiritual family, but our in relationships actually teach us how to love. They teach us how to love. It's amazing to me. I mean, we can't live for ourselves if we want God to bless our lives. We, we have to look outside of ourselves and, and work together. We have to be in community with each other. God's gonna bless you in your participation within the fellowship of his body. That's how that works. And you need to be part of the church family and you need to be developing in relationships with other believers because many times that's where God works. That's how he blesses the people around you is through you. That's how you find blessing many times is through the people that are in your life, whether it's knowledge or wisdom or direction or, or help, moving, whatever it is. I mean, it's everything happens within the body of Christ. Paul actually says this in Romans chapter 1. He says, I'm eager to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. In this way, each of us will be a blessing to each other. So he's talking to some in relationships. He's talking to these, these Christians in Rome, and he says, look, I'm going to encourage you in your faith, and you're going to encourage me in my faith, and we're going to bless each other in the process. It's going to be amazing, this relationship that we're going to have with each other. And see, as I said before, when we do this right, there's blessing in that, even when it gets hard, even when things don't go exactly as planned, there's a blessing in that. 
You need to be fostering in relationships. You need to have other believers in your life that you're doing life with. If you never build those types of relationships, you miss out on the blessings of those relationships. You miss out in being a blessing in those relationships as well. See, the most important thing that God wants us to learn is not how to be rich. It's not how to succeed. It's not how, even how to make this world a better place. That's not what God has us here for. You know what God is trying to teach us and what he wants us to learn is how to love. How to love. Because God is love. And he wants us to learn how to love. You learn to love by being in relationship with those people within the body of Christ. Now, I love this, this aspect of a church because sometimes that love is difficult. Sometimes that love is tough. I can't tell you the number of times I've had men in my life that were great, you know, godly men who came to me and said, Don, you're screwing this up in your life, dude. That's hard. That's tough love. But you know what? I look back on those moments and I go, those were the moments that defined me. Those were the moments that changed me and made me better. Made me a better man, made me a better husband, made me a better father. It was those guys who were calling me out in that. Well, that doesn't happen outside of your in relationships. Do you realize that? Your buddy that you meet at work every day that you just hang out with and go to the bar and have a beer with or go to the bowling alley every once in a while with, that dude's never going to call you out. That's not the way that works. That's just a fun relationship. It's those godly men, those in relationships that are going to tell you you're being an idiot when you're being an idiot. And in our men's ministry, we say it this way. You need those in relationships. You need those godly men in your life that will tackle you on your way to sin. Those are the people that you want in your life. Do you have those types of in relationships? Are you fostering those types of in relationships in your life? Because you need them. Ephesians chapter 4. If you'll turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. Go to verse 16. Verse 16. Now, um, if you're part of uh, Mountain View Fellowship and you feel disconnected, like you're not really fostering those in relationships, it doesn't feel like you're you're plugging in, can I just challenge you with something? I, I would say this. I want you to decide today that you're going to plug in. You're going to start fostering in relationships. And the easiest way to do that is to get signed up for a life group. Jump into a life group and become part of a smaller community. If you're not connected in a larger community, make it smaller. That's how you make a big church feel small. You get involved in a life group. And that's where the true ministry happens anyway. Get plugged in. And we'll talk more about that here in a minute. But if you're here and you're not part of a local church, like you've never really plugged in, you never really joined a church, I would say this, join this one. We would love for you to commit to this body, to be part of this family. Plug in, start growing, start learning, start serving, start using your gifts that God's given you to to help this body and what it's doing. Man, plug in. Because if you're feeling disconnected, it's not because God excommunicated you. It's not because God doesn't want a relationship with you. It's not because other people don't want a relationship with you. You've got to step out and you've got to do something about it to start fostering those in relationships. Make some steps. Take some steps to make it happen. This is part of owning it. I want you to own this call of fostering an in relationship in your life. Now, you can't be blessed by living an independent, isolated life. It doesn't work that way. That's That's a sad, dismal existence. You need to be plugged into community. Why? Because we're better together in everything. Everything that we do is better when we do it together. So first benefit, it's a spiritual family. Second benefit is it teaches us how to love. Thirdly, I would say our in relationships grow us spiritually. 
grows us spiritually. This is the one that you cannot find anywhere else. You're not going to find this at Boy Scouts, at your work group, your softball team. You're not going to find this. This only comes through in relationships. It's going to grow you spiritually. If you were here last week, I used an illustration, and I can't even tell you how many of you have texted me and emailed me and talked to me about that illustration because it just struck a chord with you. But we talked last week about how these scientists went into um, Arizona and they were doing some research on this, this frog. And, and we said that frogs have this metamorphosis, you know, where they are an egg and then they, they um, become a little tadpole and then they grow hind legs and then front legs and they lose their tail and finally they, they come up out of the water and they're a frog. And, and uh, we talked about how that's normal. Like we all know that. It's supposed to, ha- we all know that, right? Because last week you guys looked at me like I was crazy when I was talking about that. Uh, that's what's supposed to happen. And what I told you is they found in Arizona, they drained this pond for contaminants or whatever, they found this 10-inch tadpole that was just as fat as can be. It hadn't changed, it hadn't, it hadn't metamorphosed or nothing. It hadn't morphed into a toad. It was just still a big, fat tadpole. And what we said is that's like a lot of the believers in church today. They're just fat tadpoles. They haven't grown up. They haven't, they haven't even started to grow up. They've just, they've just gotten fatter. And we said we didn't want to be a church of fat tadpoles. We wanted to grow. We wanted to mature in Christ. That's what this does. Our in relationships make sure that we're not a fat tadpole. They keep pushing us toward growth. See, God doesn't want you to remain a spiritual baby. He says, grow up, mature. I, I don't want you to be a spiritual infant your whole life. I want you to become more like Christ Every day, I want you to grow up and mature in that. But here's the catch. It's hard to do that on your own. Do you realize that? It's hard to do that on your own. See, babies in real life, like, like they can't grow up on their own. Uh, any of you that have children, you know that. As an infant, they can't take care of themselves. No, there's no way that that baby would have grown up without you. Why? Because they needed more relationships. They needed relationships with older people to help them, to nurture them, to grow them up, to teach them so that they might make it through life. And even as they get older, they're 15, 16, 18, 25, 50 years old, they still need some input sometimes, don't they? Some of you uh, parents of older children, you're like, oh, yeah, Right? Why? Because we're not, we, we don't arrive until we arrive. We're constantly growing. We're constantly becoming like Christ. And we won't become like Christ until the day that we stand in front of him. And we, we pray that God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Until that day, we're growing and maturing so that we don't become a fat tadpole. We need a family. We need people around us to spur us on to growth so that we don't stay in that stage of just being a tadpole. Now, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, it says he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I love this. It says each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow. This is your in relationships. It's hard to grow on your own. You need other people feeding into your life, speaking truth into your life, pushing you along that, that continuum of becoming more like Christ every day. My job as a pastor is to make sure that you're growing, to make sure you're not a fat tadpole, to keep pushing you, going, grow legs, just go, ooh, you know, do whatever it takes, but, but don't stay a fat tadpole, grow. Leave the pond, right? 
And so often, I want you to know, as pastors, we sit around, we talk about this all the time. How, do, how can we help them grow? How do we do that? How do we help as the whole church? How do we all grow together? How do we do this? Because we don't want to be stuck in the same place. It's, it's the job of the pastors, ministry leads, life group leaders, all of us. And actually, Ephesians 4 tells us that. It's our job to equip the saints for the work that God has for them. So that's what we're doing every Sunday. We're trying to equip you for what God has for you this week. The, the, the idea with these in relationships and, and what we do is we come together like this and we worship and we'll talk more about that here in a minute, but we'll do all these different things together in hopes of being filled up so that we'll go back out into the world, pour ourselves out for the world around us and then come back in here staggering, wore out, exhausted to be filled up again so that we might go back out and be poured out for Christ again. This is the life of a disciple, but it's our job as pastors to, to equip you for that, to push you toward that. Turn over to Acts chapter 2. Go to Acts chapter 2, the latter, the latter part of that uh, chapter, if you would. Now, like I said, as pastors, we talk about this all the time. How do we help people grow? How do we, how do we push them along? Is it backpacks? Maybe that's an easy way to describe it, right? All the things that we do are all designed to help you identify where you're at in your walk with Christ and how do you grow? What's the next step for you? Because we don't want you stuck in one spot. And the Bible has a word for this. It's called discipleship. That's what the word is. The Bible calls it discipleship. The discipleship is this process of growth from, from being a spiritual baby to a spiritual adult. It means maturing in your faith, constantly growing to become more like Christ every day. So how can you grow as a disciple? How do you do that? It's interesting because Acts chapter 2 tells us how the early church, the very first church, how they grew in their faith. It says this. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 of them. Verse 42, all the believers, what? Say it real loud. They what? They devoted themselves. You know what it means? You know what that means? In the Greek, it means owned it. Not really, but that's what it means. It means own it. Like they devoted themselves to this. They knew that this was what they were supposed to do, and so they owned it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And verse 46 says, They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. See, the idea is first you believe, then you're baptized, and then you enter into this discipleship process of growing to be more like Christ every day. And, and a big, big part of that, an important part of that, is choosing a local group of believers to belong to, of fostering in relationships, of finding a local church that is going to help you grow, is going to push you along, who's not going to allow you just to stay where you're at, because Jesus doesn't want that. He wants us to grow. And so you got to find a group of, of believers in relationships that you can foster relationships with that are going to push you toward Christ. That's, that's what a church is. And I pray that that's this church for you. I really do. See, you, you can't live the life of Christ alone. You can't do it. Now, um, you are the church. I asked you earlier, what is the church? I said, it's not a building. It's not an institution, right? The church is you. It's every one of us as individuals. And I hope that you're getting that. The longer you're here, that every time we say church, you know you're not thinking about this location or this property or this building or, or the pastors. You're going, that's me, that's me, that's me. I'm the church. We are all the church together. And in that, we, we study scripture, we find out that the church, you and me, we have five purposes when we get together. There's five purposes to the church. 
Uh, the first one is fellowship. Does that sound familiar? Kind of like uh, Mountain View Fellowship? Yeah. Why? That, that's the end relationships. That's all of us getting together. That's, that's us binding together to, to grow, to become more like Christ together. Um, that part of that fellowship, that fostering in relationships weekly is life groups. Here's my chance to say this. If you're not involved in a life group, you need to be. You need to be in the life group. Uh, we have several life groups we're getting ready to launch right now. We can plug you in. Here's what I want you to do. If you're not in a life group, if that's the next step for you, I want you to fill out a connection card today. Just fill out, whether it's online or the paper, fill it out. And I want you to say, I want to join a life group, and then tell me one or two nights that works best for you to join a life group. Because that's what we need. Here, here's what we found out, right? Um, Bob says, hey, I want to join a life group. I go, great, we want to plug you into a life group. We have these, what night works best for you? And then there's silence. The line goes dead, right? Because that's the last step of commitment. Because as soon as they say Tuesday night, we go, okay, here you go. Here's a life group for you. We got you plugged in. You're good to go. And so literally, I'm telling you guys this. This is like inside news. You ready for this? There's like 40 people within our church that have all taken that step, and they've gotten all the way to choosing a day, and they won't choose a day. Because oh, I don't know if I want to go that far. It's nice to like, hey, I want to join a life group, but as soon as the rubber meets the road, now I'm like, oh, I'm a little nervous, right? And so here's my challenge to you. Don't shy away. Don't shy away. Pick a day. Make a commitment. Own it. And jump into a life group and start growing. Because life groups are where the true ministry happens. This is where it all happens. It's amazing the ministry that gets done in a life group. I say this a lot and I get kicked back every time I say it. So I know I'm going to get your email. I'll, I'll deal with it later. Um, if you're not in a life group, you forego pastoral ministry. Now, that sounds harsh, but let me tell you why. Because I can't get to everybody. I can't. There's no way. That's why life groups are so important. Because even if I can't get to you, you have a whole group of people that will surround you and take care of you and pray for you and then lift you up and, and bring meals to you and whatever you need. They'll help you. Why? Because that's your spiritual family. That's a smaller family within the larger family, and you need to be in a life group. So make that step today. So fellowship, second one's discipleship. We've talked a little bit about this one. I want to challenge you this, uh, today with this. Uh, do you have a discipler in your life? Do you have somebody who is a little bit further along in their spiritual growth than you? And they, uh, they're somebody that you know that you can go to, you can ask questions. If you have you know, questions about scripture or something about your life, you need help, you need guidance and counsel about a direction in life. You have somebody who's godly in front of you that you can go to. Do you have that person? And have you gone to them and said, would you please speak truth into my, my life? I give you a green light. And I want to be able to come to you with questions. You need a formal discipler. If you don't have that, be praying about who that is for you. And then secondly, you need to turn around and you need to have some, I think the official term would be disciplees, right? Anyway, what's the plural of that? Anyway, disciplees, right? You, you need a couple of other people that you're actually speaking truth into, raising up, growing up, teaching them how to become more like Christ. And so if you have a disciple and some disciplees, then you're on the right track. And see, I'm afraid that in the church today, many, many of us, we don't even know what that means. We've never even taken that step. So I want to challenge you today. Uh, if, if you're part of this discipleship thing and you've just received Christ and you're ready to start growing, 
The quickest way to do that would be to jump into our, our trailhead class. We have the trailhead class kicking off December 1st, 8th, and 15th. It's going to be going on during the second service for those three weeks. It's the easiest way to get in, have a bunch of your questions answered. Uh, we can try to pair you up with somebody and get you going in a discipleship relationship. And so I, I hope that you'll do that. If, if you haven't done anything else, that's, that's a good first step for you. So we have fellowship, we have discipleship. Thirdly, we have ministry. Uh, this is where we get together. We actually have an impact on the world around us. Uh, other believers, the world, uh, it's just ministry that we can do together. Now, what's interesting is, is this is another one of those examples that you can't do this on your own. You might think you can, but when you start reading through Scripture, you're going to see that there's like 32 what we call each other or one another verses. There's like 59, but if you break them down, it ends up being like 32 commandments that you can't fulfill on your own. Admonish one another, encourage one another, love one another, you know, just go down the list. There's 32 of them. You can't, when it says one another, guess what that means? Ah, there's another person involved. You can't do that on your own. So another reason why in relationships are so critical. So ministry, and then another one is evangelism. Evangelism is, is interesting. Uh, I could say this, well, I could evangelize myself, but how effective am I at that? Not very but here's what I found, that within the church, when we bind together in evangelism, we have a powerful impact on our world. Powerful. And we have an opportunity coming up here in a couple of weeks. It's called Cover Colorado. I'm hoping that you've already, already been praying about this, that you're going to get plugged in. You're going to take part in this. Two weeks from today, we're going to come in here each service. We're just going to sing a couple of songs. We're going to pray together. And then you're going to go out and grab uh, some, uh, a route and you're going to go deliver them. I think I, I gave you guys the wrong number a couple of weeks ago and freaked some of you out. So I apologize, formally apologize for that. I think I said like 12,800 or something like that. And what I was quoting instead of residents was population. So I apologize. So let me correct that right now. We're going to cover almost 6,000 homes. Hopefully that helps a little bit, right? If you do the math, it comes out. If every family within the church uh, were to go and take part in this, we would cover about 23, 24 homes apiece. That was, that's it. And we could cover 6,000 homes. We could cover our entire area um, in one day. You can't do that alone. You can't. But together, we can have a massive impact when it comes to evangelism. So I hope you're already praying about that. You'll be here on the 24th to take part in that. The last one is worship. When we get to worship, there's this element of worship that uh, I think is, is phenomenal because we overlook it so often. Uh, we have this great opportunity to come in and to worship together. And, and it's amazing to me when you read through Scripture and you see how God views worship, especially corporately, when we get together as a family and we worship together, what the presence of God does in that and what the Holy Spirit does in that is phenomenal. And so we, we want to be a church that worships from the heart. Not, not made up, not fake, but just worships authentically the, the one and true God. Uh, one of the things that we were looking at is this uh, coming season, Thanksgiving. It says Thanksgiving, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot of thanks during that season. And it's become so commercialized. Uh, you know, Black Friday is actually now rolled into Thursday, right? If you can hurry up and finish the turkey quick enough, you can be the first one in line Thursday night, right, for the sale. And it's, it's just kind of ruined. It's just been overtaken by materialism. And so what we said is, um, as believers, as in relationships, we should be the most thankful of anybody. And so what we're going to do, we're going to do this for the first time this year. We've never done this before. 
is we're actually going to do a service on Thanksgiving Eve. And so if you want to come, we would love to have you here. It's going to be an interactive service. It's going to be worship. We're going to we're going to have a thankful board. We're going to have you be able to put some things down that you're thankful for. We're going to take communion together. We're going to do all these different things on that night with hopes of setting our hearts and minds right for the next day, for Thanksgiving, so that we might put the focus on God and not on all the other stuff. And so I hope that you'll come join us for that. Thanks for joining us here at Mountain View Fellowship. We'd love the chance to meet you in person. We gather each Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at 1955 Headlight Road in Strasburg, Colorado. If you aren't able to join us in person, we'll meet you right back here next week. God bless.